singing about is a place that I pray you're looking forward to. It's a place called heaven. And it happens to be the dwelling place of Almighty God. And it's a place where he promises uh, those will be with him who believe uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. So if you haven't gotten to that place where you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I urge you to make that decision today. Uh, before I go any further, I want to also extend a prayer request for Miss Wanda Shedd. I saw Brother James, and Brother James is just bouncing back, but Miss Wanda's got it pretty bad, and I think she's still recovering. So pray for Miss Wanda as well as those many others, okay? Well, we have been uh, starting over, as it were, uh, this year. And there's only one real way that we can start over when it comes to the Word of God, and that is learning and studying uh, what the Scriptures say about the love of God. So we're going to continue on that theme. Uh, God's desire for humanity is, I believe, listed in the book of Ephesians, where the Apostle Paul says that uh, his greatest desire for humanity is that we comprehend the width, the length, the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Until you begin to fathom and understand a little bit about the love of God, why you can't be filled with all the fullness of God. We've discovered that love is not a Christian message. Love is... The, very good, love is the Christian message. Every single person in our sphere of influence, and every one of you has a sphere of influence, those people around you that you influence and impact, everybody in that sphere of influence needs to know that God insists on loving every individual on the face of this planet. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they've done. He still insists on loving them. And over the past several weeks, we've heard God voicing His love for all people. We began by hearing the Lord say, My love for you is unprompted. God's love is not based on if I act right, if I live right, or even if I look right. God's love simply occurs because He is God. And God is love. Not because of something I've done or not done. We also heard God say, My love for you is unreasonable. That is, in human terms, God's love don't make sense. I mean, who goes about loving people who despise you? Who goes about loving people who hate you? God's love can certainly seem unreasonable. Number three, God, we heard him say, my love for you is unending. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love in Jeremiah 31. That is, God's love has existed always, and it will always exist. Then we heard the Lord say, my love for you is unlimited. Since God's love, since God himself is both beyond us and beside us, God's love is also beyond us and beside us, even within us. We also heard God say, my love for you is unchanging. Malachi chapter 3 says, I, the Lord, 
Do not change. If God don't change, isn't it a comforting thought to know that God's love for you doesn't change? We also heard the Lord say, my love for you is uncomplicated. God loved the world. God gave his son. And those who believe in him will have eternal life. It don't get no, no simpler than that, amen? God's love is not complicated. But finally, we heard God say, my love for you is unconditional. God says, I've seen the ugly parts of you, but I'm staying anyway. God's love is truly unconditional. So friend, there's just no denying the fact that God loves us. That God's love for us is incredible. But I had a question this week, and that question is this. When did God's love for me begin? When did he start loving me? Well, when a young couple announces that a baby is on his way, the, ba the people will start telling that couple, man, your life is getting ready to change. Amen? <laughs> But the fact is, the changes have already begun. From the very first thought that you might be having a child, you begin looking at yourself in a little bit of a different light. You start thinking, oh my goodness, I'm getting ready to be a parent. Almost suddenly, you find that it's possible to be deeply in love with a tiny human being that you've never met. We begin to dream about that child. We begin to dream about what we want to do with that child. We begin to dream about coaching the Little League baseball team. We begin dreaming about taking that trip to Disney World. We begin dreaming about helping them with their homework, introducing them to Jesus. We begin dreaming about uh, attending their high school athletic events. We begin dreaming about seeing them graduate from school. We begin dreaming about perhaps walking them down the aisle when they get married. We begin dreaming of how we're going to spoil their grandchildren. Amen? Wow. But I wondered, where does that kind of powerful love come from? That kind of love is this. It comes from our Father in Heaven. We inherited it from our Heavenly Father. See, you are made in the image of a Heavenly Father who loves you incredibly even before you were born. Even before you were born. But his love is much deeper than ours ever could be. Through our series so far, I pray that you full, now fully understand that God loves you with an incredible, incredible love. But do you realize that he always has loved you? Do you realize that even before you were born, he loved you? Do you realize that even before this world was created, he loved you? Do you realize that even before the foundation of time, he loved you? That's a little bit too much for me to handle. Amen? But today, we're going to look at how God relates to us before 
we were born. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 139. And we're going to get catch a glimpse in these verses, but also several others, of how God related to us even before we were born. In verse 13 of Psalm 139, uh, King David has written this psalm. And here's what he says beginning in verse 13. And he's talking to God. And he says, For you, God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest places of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book there were all written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them that if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake... I am still with you. What a beautiful psalm. And I pray that you're going to see in today's message how God loved you, how he related to you even before you were born. To begin with, before you were born, God knew your identity. Before you were born, God knew your identity. I want to share with you um, verses 15 and 16 from the message. All right, this is a paraphrase that kind of matches thought for word, but it, it's a beautiful illustration of what those two verses say. Oh Lord, you know me inside and out. Amen? God knows us inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit and how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life prepared before I had even lived one day. When David wrote this psalm, he was expressing a truth about God. But when he wrote this psalm, he was also expressing something he believed about himself. David considered himself to be a person before he was born. He was a human being before he was born. He said, God, you covered me. That is, you knit me together in my mother's womb. See, it's very important for us to understand what verse 16 shows us. In verse 16, the Bible uses a word that it uses only one time in the whole scriptures. And that Hebrew word is the word golem. Say golem. Y'all are just Hebrew experts, aren't you? Golem is, the, here is the only time that it's used. The word golem. And golem basically means embryo. It means fetus. And the English translators translated the word golem into my substance being yet unformed. So David is talking about himself when he was still an embryo in his mother's womb. See, as God was forming you, he was watching over you in love. We know this because everything that God does, 
including the overseeing of a child being developed in the mother's womb, is carried out in love. Why do we know that? Because the Bible says that God is love. That means that everything he does is in love. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment, I want you to imagine a child being born in a very stressful situation. Mom is nine months into her pregnancy and she begins to feel a contraction. Moms, tell me how much a contraction will bless you. I don't know, but I've heard stories, amen? Mom feels a contraction, then her water breaks and the contractions intensify. Mom tells dad, grab my overnight bag, quick. Mom waddles out to the car. Contractions intensify. She hops in the car and dad steps on the gas and he looks down at the fuel gauge and he sees we're almost out. We've got to stop for gas. After filling up, the contractions intensify. But they run into a traffic jam on the way to the hospital. And mom says, honey, you better pull over. I'm having this baby. Well, the police arrive and they help mom to give birth to that child right there in the back seat of the car. The baby is born healthy and they're, once, uh, they're taken off to the hospital. And once they're settled there in the hospital, mom is doing her little coochie coochie coos. Amen. And uh, she's talking to her child and she's saying, son, I'm so sorry for that rough delivery. But if that newborn baby could speak, I believe that baby would open his eyes wide. And that baby would say, oh, mom, I'm fine. God has been loving me from the moment I was conceived. For nine months now, God has been bathing me in his love. Mom, I'm fine. Now, I don't know if infants are even capable of those kinds of thoughts or not. But the words are nonetheless true. God sees and God loves infants who are in the womb. From the moment... A child is conceived, they have a human identity. Now, there's another message that I believe uh, Psalm 139 brings us, and that is, before you were born, God also knew your complexity. I'm going to continue to share from the message, uh, verse 13 and 14. Listen to what that word says. Oh, Lord, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, almighty God. You are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship you and I adore you. What a creation am I. You know, modern technology allows us to get incredible images in the womb these days. 3D, even 4D pictures are available to us. I will never forget when April Shelton was pregnant with Mason. 
And I don't remember if it was emailed to me or Facebooked or something, but they sent me a picture of Mason in the womb. And every now and then, I'll be going through the, the pictures in my, in my catalog of pictures in my computer, and I'll come across that picture of Mason. And it's incredibly clear. And, and I try to relate how I know Mason now versus how I knew Mason then. And he was human in both, both ways. Um, studies at the Yale University reveal all kinds of videos, all kinds of photos from the very first cell division uh, of the embryo all the way to when the child is fully developed. For instance, it tells the development of the heart at only 25 days into the pregnancy. It shows the development of arms and hands at only 32 days after that baby's conceived. Those videos from Yale show the development of eyes and nose at only 52 days after a baby's conceived. And I, after I found this video that I'm going to show you here in just a second, but I was, I was going through a lot of YouTube videos watching the progression of this one little cell growing into a baby. And it's just absolutely miraculous. And the one that, uh, that I want to show you today is one that was done by a professor from Yale that did a study. And he was doing a study on, um, uh, on how to visually teach astronauts how to do surgery up in deep space. All right? So this is not reality. It's rather him creating this video to show you and I what it looks like. What do you say, brother?
tell you that before you were born, God knew your complexity? We serve a marvelous, incredible God. But you know, we also know that every living creature is made up of microscopic cells that are so small that my thumbnail would hold about one million cells. And each one of those little microscopic cells contains an estimated 200 trillion tiny molecules of atoms. So in other words, every cell is kind of like a a micro-universe in itself. And God is the one who created that complexity. Put all those cells together and you got yourself a a living creature. Every cell knows its function. Every cell is on a divine timetable. Every cell knows when it's time to grow, when it's time to divide, even when it's time to die. Every cell, some, some three billion cells die Every single minute of your life. But in that same minute that three million cells die, three million cells are created to take their place. Friend, the human body has over one million million cells. A million cells in every square inch of skin. 30 billion cells in the brain. Billions of red blood cells cursing through your veins. But David didn't know anything about those microscopic cells. And he didn't know anything about that Yale study either. But one thing that David did know is that God was the one who formed his inward parts. And who marvelously and wonderfully made him in his mother's womb. And he knew that everything God does is driven and guided by his infinite love for you and I. Before you were born, God knew your identity. Before you were born, God knew your complexity. But before you were born, God also knew your individuality. In verse 16, the New Living Translation tells us, Uh, David saying, you, God, saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment laid out before a single moment had passed. Here, David is speaking about how unique he is. How unique God's plan for him is. He's speaking here uh, about how, how incredibly individual he was even when he was in his mother's womb. From the very beginning, God knew David. And from the very beginning, God knows you. He knew David and he ordained what David's life would be. He knew what David was going to be. Jeremiah also considered God's hand on him before he was even in the womb. He said, the Lord said to me, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God said. Before you were born, I sanctified you. That is, I set you apart for a special purpose of mine. 
I, I ordained you, I appointed you to fulfill that task as a prophet to the nations. Old Job also know this knew this truth because Job concluded that all human life begins in the womb. He said this, did not he who made me in the womb make them too? He went on to say, did not the same one fashion us all in our mother's womb? So we got Bible writers who are inspired by the Holy Spirit of God clearly telling us and clearly understanding that God begins life, God begins the creation of a human being not at the moment of birth. Not at the moment where the child takes his or her first breath, but at the time he begins shaping, sculpting, molding that new person into the individual, the unique, the unique individual that he's wanting that child to become. That moment is the moment we call conception. That is when life begins. And you know, science even supports that principle, that life begins at conception. Uh, the, the book, The Case for Life, written by Scott Klusendorf, summarizes that, that principle very well. That book says, in short, you didn't come from an embryo. You were once an embryo. Does that make sense to y'all? You didn't come from one, you once were one. And so we need to understand that. You began as a human being and you're going to remain one until you die. You simply lacked maturity as an embryo. You lacked maturity at that early stage of your life, but you were human nonetheless. All right, Brother Bill. So what's your point in all this? My point is this, God knew you and God loved you as a fully human person before you were born. What does that mean? We need to protect our unborn children. Did you hear me, church? We need to do what we can do to protect Unborn children. 3,000 murders a day occur in the wombs of mothers across the United States. And they are murders. Because I pray that this word has taught you this morning that this is a life. This is a life that is being sculpted and molded in the womb of its mother. What's my point? My point is, he loved you. Even as he was preparing you in your mother's womb, even as he was preparing you in the beauty of human pregnancy, and all along, he had a life and a purpose set apart for you. Since 1973, some 52 million children have been aborted. 
That's 52 million people that God created with a life, that God created with a purpose that went unfulfilled. Now, we can't expect the world to understand what I shared with you this morning because they don't even ascribe to this book. We can't expect the secular world to understand or take a stand for unborn children because they don't have a relationship with God. But we do. We do. And I just want to encourage you as your pastor and as your friend, as your brother, I want to encourage you to just take a stand for the unborn. And I pray that one of these days, That'll end. He's got a, a purpose for you, and it's started in the womb, and he created a unique individuality that is exclusively yours. There were things that those 52 million children that only they could have done. I've often wondered if the cure was cancer from cancer was not in one of those. wondered what else, what other cures might have been brought as a result of one of those great minds that God had sculpted. So in conclusion, I guess what I want to tell you is, is that great love like that, it needs to be received. The greatest revelation of God's love to you was his son Jesus on the cross. But such love needs to be received. That love needs to be received. That love, friend, it, it deserves a response. So my prayer for you is today that if you have not received the love of God, that it was manifested through the life and shed blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, that you'll receive that love today. We're going to sing a song in a moment, and we call it decision time. But I found that there's all manner of decisions that need to be made during decision time. It may be that as a believer, you want to take a bolder stand for the unborn. It may be that you realize that you haven't received the love of God, therefore you have no relationship with God, therefore you have no hope of heaven. The Bible is clear. Such love must be received. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for just being who you are. You are love. But Lord, I thank you so much for pouring out that love on us and that while we were still sinners, your son Jesus suffered and died on the cross for us that by believing in the glorious good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, Father, a relationship with, our, with you is, is ours forever. It cannot be stolen. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be snatched from us. But Lord, your word makes it clear that such love must be received. Otherwise, it's why it's one-sided. So Lord, I pray that the salvation you offer the greatest blessing of life that you offer through your love is received today. Lord, for that believer who completely understands that Jesus died for them and 
They are a follower of Christ. They are growing as a disciple of the Lord. They are born again believers. They are heaven born and heaven bound. Father, I pray that perhaps their heart was quickened to understand the boldness that is required of your children to take a stand for the unborn. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we'd be willing to to take that stand. Father, whatever it is you're leading your people to decide upon today, I pray that in a still, soft whisper, Lord, you tell them that today is the day to draw the line in the sand and to make that decision for you. This we all pray in the name above all names, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. And all God's people said,